It is now post uh, July thirty first trade deadline. Um, I am your host of this uh, this uh, uh, large gathering of the Red Reporters on uh, uh, July thirty first in the evening, kind of breaking down what the Cincinnati Reds did at this uh, one true trade deadline, which. Um, Nobody really knew exactly how things were going to shake out this particular year because uh, obviously the Reds had gone not all in, but they'd gotten aggressive this past winter and gotten a bunch of guys who were one-year contract players. Um, And then immediately after they started doing that, baseball essentially decided to make their only be one deadline and no waiver period in August this year. So um, the Reds were certainly flying into new territory uh, and how they were going to approach this. Uh, but the rest of baseball was as well. And, you know, a deadline that looked like it was going to be kind of um, kind of boring, I guess, for a time, uh, picked up tremendous momentum in the last 24 hours before. And uh, the Reds were one of several teams that made some pretty damn franchise-altering moves. So um, just going to break those down a little bit. Got a couple great guests on the night. Um, got in Indianapolis, we got Derek Grimes joining us again. Grimey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, doing well. I had my uh, Tanner Roark uh, Memorial uh, beef and cheddar for dinner tonight, so I'm ready to roll. There is not an Arby's within like five miles of me. And when that, I read that earlier today, I was like, damn, dude wants a beef and cheddar with curly fries just like I do, and I've got to go all the way the fuck across town to find one. Ah! <laughs> So I was uh, I, I empathize with the guy I certainly do. So well, I put, um, that, I put that on Twitter, and uh, I want to I, I do want to answer a question. We got a we got a question uh, after the after viewer mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after we uh, after you retweeted my uh, tweet, uh, somebody asked if that was the same Arby's that Tanner Roark went to, and I want to tell the listener no, it was not the same Arby's. Um, do we even know which Arby's it was? All we know is that he was driving to Atlanta from Cincinnati, which means he probably passed what seven thousand Arby's in that drive. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, also joining us tonight is uh, BK back in Cincinnati. Uh, Beak tried to jump on with us last night, but my <laughs> horrendous editing skills um, kind of made me have to lop off his segment, which was yeah, unfortunate. Not- not your fault. Not your fault. Yeah. yeah um, I would, if, if you listen to last night's show, you uh, you n- noticed an abrupt end uh, to the proceedings, and that was uh, that was my fault. So yeah. Well, uh, well, I'm well. Weird, well uh, <laughs> we're just continuing last night's show. Yeah. Well, trying to uh, to process uh, the Reds getting their asses handed to them by the Pirates, uh, the massive brawl. Um, Yasiel Puig coming out of the game, Scooter Jeanette coming out of the game, and then the massive trade uh, with uh, Cleveland and the Padres that sent out Taylor Trammell and brought in um, Trevor Bauer. We were uh, we were a little dumbfounded last night in the process, but uh, yeah, wel- welcome back, Veek. We'll uh, we'll make yeah. sure to keep you on this podcast this time. I promise. So yeah, uh, and also. Joining us tonight, we're going four deep this time around. We got Bonesy, um, Aaron. What's going on, buddy? How is uh, how is the Minneapolis or the Minnesota heat going for you right now? Um, it's been pretty uh, toned down lately. The uh, yesterday was uh, in the sixties, so oh Jesus, pleasant pleasant little summer this week. Um, the only thing I got to say is I disagree with Tanner Rourke. I'm more of a French dip and Swiss kind of guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Better's fine, but they don't give you any of that stuff to dip your sandwich in with that. So 
No, my, my biggest problem with that is I'm normally eating Arby's on the fly and trying to French dip while in the car is just uh, that, that's a recipe for needing a new uh, clean I shirt. I don't, so. eat, I don't think you should eat any Arby's in the car because most of it's liquid cheese and it's. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, we, we bring up Arby's because um, uh, Tanner Rourke, uh, the great teammate as he was and solid acquisition for the Reds as he was also, uh, basically was in an Arby's parking lot when he found out he was traded to the Oakland A's um, earlier today in a deal that brought back uh, a, a, a talented center field prospect named Jamison Hanna. Um one of three major trades the Reds made uh, in the last 24 hours. The other obviously being the one I alluded to with sent Yasiel Puig to uh, uh, Cleveland along with uh, lefty pitching prospect Scott Moss. Uh, sent Taylor Trammell, the Reds' top prospect, um, to the San Diego Padres and uh, uh, brought Trevor Bauer in from Cleveland. Um, and then – after the deadline, actually, we, we found out that the uh, the pinching appearance from Philip Irvin against left-handed uh, reliever Francisco Liriano late in today's game was not because it was a lefty on the mound. It was because Scooter was getting pulled because he was getting traded to the San Francisco Giants for uh, the infamous player to be named later, who we will discover is probably not a prospect at some point in the coming months. So um, major, major moves for the Reds, obviously um, shedding two bats that uh, had been big parts of this team both last year and previous years and in this year. Um but also guys who were going to be free agents at the end of the season. Same goes for Roark. He was a free agent to be at the end of this year. The Reds obviously got Alex Wood back recently. And then brought in Bauer, who, um, you know, for all of his interesting quirks and flaws, is under team control for 2020 and does figure to be a very good, prominent piece of a rotation that now looks like it is one of the most formidable ones uh, out there for the rest of the 2019 season and certainly has good legs for 2020. Um I guess just on the whole, just in terms of being buyers and sellers uh, for the 2019 season, what do you guys think this does for the Reds? Are they punting? Are they done? Are they just turning it over to young guys they think could be good? Uh, what are your thoughts just in general on this? Uh, BK, how about you go first, man? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that, you know, really in their minds, I, I don't think that this is a win in 2019 uh, built roster at this point. You know, you you – are taking a lot of chances, but at the same time, you're, you're giving, you're making space for guys who maybe you, you know, had, had seen a little bit of in, in Josh Van Meter and Philip Irvin, and you're giving him more of a role going forward. So, you know, you may end up getting, you know, more out of those guys than you would out of Scooter Jeanette. Um, I, you probably won't get more than you would have out of Yasiel Puig, but you know, I, I think that all of these are pretty pretty defensible moves. After after the initial uh, kind of shock of getting Trevor Bauer and you know feeling that we gave up too much, but um, you know when it comes down to it, it feels definitely more like it's their 2020 moves uh, with 2020 in mind. So you can kind of see what you're getting out of. Um, you know, in the right field spot and the second base spot going forward. But, you know, it it doesn't really – I think it makes 2019 season a little bit more interesting to me, um, you know, just giving these guys a chance. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to take a huge regression on offense. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think there's uh, there's no denying that right now, this very moment, the pitching staff is as good as it's been all year. I mean, you get yeah. Bauer into the rotation, you get Alex Wood back and healthy. Um, Anthony Scafani's pitching his best ball of the season. Luis Castillo is obviously pitching great, as is Sonny Gray. Uh, Rysel Iglesias has been up and down all season, but he's starting to yeah. kind of put some of those performances together again. David Hernandez, in theory, is healthy. Uh, Amir Garrett's back on the roster as well after being on the D or the IL for a while. Um, you know, for a team that. Uh, who's on the whole, their collective moves make it look like they're kind of punting on 2019. Uh, this is the best pitching staff that they've had together all year on paper and probably bad performance as well. And so um, if the young guys, if Josh Vameter is actually legitimately a great hitter now after being kind of a not a prospect for the first five years of his professional career, if Philip Irvin is indeed a perfect platoon bat partner for the lefties in the outfield, um, if Jose Peraza can continue to be hot like he was over the second half of last year and like he's looked, uh, there's a chance this team could still be just as good now as it was yesterday. Um, it's a long shot because it's guys who are unproven at this point, but it's not without the realm of expectations. Uh, Grimey, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, for 2019, I think it's going to be pretty difficult to uh, fill the Yasiel Puig-sized hole in the lineup. Um at least the Yasiel Puig that we've seen since, you know, what, the latter part of May. They are the undefeated. With, they are undefeated without him. Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that's the proof right there. No, yeah, I mean, but in general, I, I agree with everything that's been said as far as for 2019. Um, you know, roll with the young guys. You got to figure out exactly what you have. And um, especially Josh Van Meter. I mean, I, uh, Philip Urban's played really well. Uh, of late and like you said he's seems like he's a perfect uh platoon type of guy um but we've seen quite a bit of philip urban i don't think i don't think it's realistic to think that he's just like all of a sudden kind of transfer uh transformed into a a, a big time star or anything um but he could be perfect for the role i mean i think i heard i want to say it was jason linden on uh the red leg nation podcast uh, basically he's He's Chris Heisey. I mean, if he turns into being the Chris Heisey of the 2010 through 2014 Reds, I mean, that's that's a pretty decent outcome for him. But I think yeah. I need to see jo Josh Van Meter. I mean, I, they he's playing really well. Um, I don't know if he's going to play this well, but they need to see it because um, they have some pretty large holes at at second base and in right field. And, you know, maybe, maybe he plugs one of those. I mean, maybe he ends 2019 on the tear that we've seen him on the last couple of weeks and – and maybe he's an answer for one of those spots, but they've got to find out. And they had to get rid of some guys to find that out. So for 2019, I think it's fine. And then, you know, they have some work to do in the offseason for 2020. But but folding Bauer into it, I mean, that definitely is going to make – they probably have the best rotation in the National League Central for 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bonesy, what do you think, man? Um, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty – I think at this point it's, it's obvious the Reds, without some kind of miracle, they're not going to sneak into the playoffs. So – and I don't think anybody in the front office is dumb enough to think that they really are. So I think any move that they made up until this point, there's a lot of talk about <clears throat> keeping guys on the team to, you know, make that kind of historic run. So you keep Puig and you and you keep Rourke and you keep all these guys that I don't really care which way they went. I just wanted them to make trades to get rid of some of that dead weight that would be coming off in the end of free agency. Um Waking up this morning, I'm not quite as upset about the Bauer trade as what I probably previously was. I still don't like giving up Trammel, but 
at least the way I was just looking at it as you guys were talking is if the Reds are looking at it from a perspective of leading into 2020 and they're looking at their farm system, what do they have coming up that is going to improve the club? They don't have any pitching that's going to come up that's going to improve the club. Like that's the thing they don't have in the high minors that they're going to bring into 2020 if they need a fifth starter, which we would assume would be Tyler Molly. But what they do have again is Van Meter and Irvin. And my pick would be to call up again as Aquino that you call him up and you put him in Yasiel Puig's spot because I think they have almost identical profiles. I don't think Yasiel Puig was that guy that pushes you in the playoffs. And I don't think any of these three players are either. So I think every move in this sense is taking you directly into 2020. You just have to see if any of these young guys might be, a player you can stick in a spot instead of improving somewhere else. Whether that's Van Meter, which I think is the best shot than the other two, but that's kind of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you in that regard. And I think it's, it's certainly worth their while to find out over the next 50, what, 56 games, whether those younger guys and or inexperienced guys, because what, Phil Irvin's 27 at this point, um, the guys who haven't really gotten a full-time shot to see if they can be serviceable there. Uh, a, because they've earned it. You know, if no other reason, they've earned it. You know, Josh Van Meter's not the cover off the ball since really midway through last season, uh, to be honest. And obviously took off at the AAA level to start this season and forced his way uh, into consideration, despite the fact that we were just looking at the uh, the most recently updated top 30 prospects in the Reds system uh, by MLB Pipeline. And Van Meter still isn't listed there. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where he's not there. Uh, Aquino for as good as he's been at AAA this year was a guy who got DFA'd, um, uh, and knocked off the 40 man roster because of his inability to kind of crack that, that four, eight label. Um, but has obviously taken off with the new ball at AAA so far this season. Um, Irvin as well, a guy who's just never really had a chance to get a, a full-time shot because he's been blocked up and down, um, for several years now. Uh, it behooves them to find out if those guys can do it. And they've got the perfect window to go after that opportunity right now. But for me, the question, and, and I, I wrote about this a couple minutes ago, uh, trying to do like a, you know, where are the Reds now after this deadline kind of look. Trading Taylor Trammell, like you, you looked up like in June 20th, there was an article uh, uh, that we put together basically on a quote from uh, MLB Network's John Morosi talking about the Reds' desire to add a controllable hitter uh, at the trade deadline, which they obviously didn't do. Um, the last move they didn't make this past winter was trying to add a controllable hitter in JT Realmuto and upgrade the catching position, which they couldn't pull off. Um I think they know that they need to add a controllable hitter. Maybe that comes from within. Maybe that's Josh Faminer and he fills one of those voids. Uh, but if it's not those guys, and if they look up and say, hey, we put our best pitch, our best prospect into getting a pitcher who's only under team control for 2020, and we can't fill that controllable hitter we need from within, you look at where the state of the farm system is right now, you lost – Taylor Trammell, Hunter Green's out with Tommy John. Uh, Jonathan India is having a rough season so far. Uh, Tony Santillan is having an even rougher season so far, as is Vlad Gutierrez. You've got two guys in the top ten in resigns and Tyler Callahan who are teenagers. Um, TJ Friedel broke his ankle. Jose Siri is underperformed alongside Tyler Stevenson, all at the same Chattanooga level where Taylor Trammell was struggling too. Um Adding Trevor Bauer as a guy who's going to make maybe $20 million next season and still potentially having to fill second base or shortstop or right field and maybe still seeking that catching upgrade that you never got last winter. Um, you've taken a bunch of payroll. You took your best prospect out of the mix. And this is a Reds team that hasn't dipped their foot into free agency 
ever. I mean, we're talking 12 years since they got Francisco Cordero for 45 million bucks. So um, they need to find out, obviously, because they need to find out what they need to go out and get this winter. Um, but using the best trade chip on a one-year guy, given all of those question marks around it, is what really had me, um, I think, questioning things last night. Because especially in a deal where you see Fremil Reyes go the opposite way, that's a guy with five years of team control. And that's the kind of player that the Reds, I think, should have been targeting in this sort of deal. So, um, But yeah, it'll be certainly interesting. Uh, BK, what do you think, man? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely kind of curious to see what what – they'll do from here you know with uh I, th- I think that they could have they could have definitely got that bat um but then again you know maybe they have something planned for the offseason maybe they're thinking that hey maybe we will dip into free agency maybe there's you know somebody that you know may become available at the end of the season that isn't available now and they're just going to kind of take their chances on that but as you said, it it has been a really long time. I didn't realize it had been uh, 13 years since they had got Cordero. That's that's uh, pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I think it was right before the. Uh, I think it was before the 07 season. It might have been before 08. Yeah. Either way, it's yeah, been a while. I think you're right, but man, it just it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But yeah, I mean, I I can definitely see them going in and getting an outfielder or some or somebody on like a three or four year deal, not not a you know long long deal. Like, you know, the, the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado deals we saw, you know, last offseason. But, you know, I, I think that at some point, if, if the Reds are going to say that 2020 is their year, they need to, you know, put up or shut up. And right. that may involve getting involved in the free agent market. And that's that's what they need to do. Yeah. Grimey, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, actually, you know, what's kind of lost in this is, you know, if they do happen to, well, I'll pardon the phrase here, I guess, strike out on the <laughs> some of the young guys that they're plugging into the lineup here now, um, they're going to have all those holes to fill, and and it's not going to come cheaply, as you as you mentioned. But the, you know, they also need, they also really need to start looking at uh, signing relief pitchers as well. And I know that you can pick some of those guys up off the scrap heap for you know two or three million dollars, like they've done with David Hernandez and. Uh, Jared Hughes, but the other part of that is finding that guy again. Um, you know, they've got to not just sign somebody like that, but they've also got to, you know, recognize who that person is going to be. So if they strike out on all these guys and they have to spend a bunch of money on at least one position, whether it be right field or second base or whatever they want to do, uh, well, then you're kind of looking at the scrap heap for relief pitching. And, you know, especially when uh, Jared Hughes and David Hernandez probably won't be on this team anymore. Um, they got to find that guy and it can't be, you know, they can't go out and sign like Blake Wood or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be somebody better than that to fill in toward the back end of the bullpen. Grimer, we're kind of losing you there, man. Um, I didn't know that was just me. Or- yeah, so I, I think I don't, I don't know if you're uh, if you got other tabs open in the background, but you're kind of cutting out there for a second. So um, Aaron, what do you oh, think, man? I'm I'll hop in on this real quick. Yeah, why don't you why don't you, why don't you run with okay, this? Okay, okay. Um, I guess the the way I look at it is again just going going back to thinking about after they made the trade, were there any like what we would consider to be impactful bats that we would want on the team right now? Did any did any of them really ever move? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's one thing. Who was available and who wasn't? 
if I if you know if you're gonna go back in time, obviously I, if you're gonna trade Taylor Trammell, I'd rather do it for JT Romuto. But obviously that they valued him too much at the time, and if that's the piece you have to get Bauer, what were they gonna have to pay to get an actual bat that we would consider to be impactful in the spot of the lineup that we want it to be? Right, right, and I mean let's be let's be honest, like like controllable bats that can be impact. Right. Well, that's that's the, the most prized asset in baseball. That's what everybody wants. Right. And then we didn't really see uh, – I'm trying to think of all the trades that went down and there were God knows how many of them that all came in in a flurry oh. of eight. I don't think are any – Are you going to package a deal with Taylor Trammell, Jonathan India? I mean, you're gonna, are you going to take then your one, two, and three you know prospects, not including Hunter Green to get this? I, I would assume at this point that Dick Williams, again, looked at it and said, pitching is the one thing that we can get right now. We never have pitching. Let's go get pitching. Possibly we can fill the holes in, you know, later. You know, the end of it, if all these players that we're talking about, the young players that that we want to get playing time, if they all fall on their face, at least then they know they fall on their face. Yeah, I think the guy you can keep on the bench. Irvin's probably a guy that you can keep on the bench. And then you can say, we need someone for second base. We need someone for right field. I mean, that's kind of where you're stuck, but you're also stuck with what's available and what's not. You don't have an open wish list. Yeah, I think it's totally true. And I think it's it's absolutely worth noting that, you know, none of those players that really moved. The guys that you, you profiled as controllable bats on teams that were losing and tanking and potentially rebuilding and or guys that were totally, totally blocked by other players uh, and were prime trade chips. None of those guys moved. Uh, you know, Clint Frazier didn't get, didn't get traded. Uh, Whit Merrifield didn't get traded. Um, Nick you know, Castellanos, he got traded. Corey Dickerson. Yeah, and they're yeah. both they're both free they're they're both free agents at the end of the year. So no years on those deals. But. Yeah, so I mean, there was no controllable bat out there that looked like they could be an impact guy. Guys like a Nick Senzel, guys like a Jesse Winker, uh, none of those players got moved from any other team out there. So it wasn't like the Reds didn't have the chops to pull it off, and other teams did. Those kind of players just didn't move, and that's the kind of thing right. that uh, I think they'll have to revisit this offseason. And I think the pertinent yeah. the pertinent point about all of this is uh, the one that we've always kind of been holding in our back pocket is like the uh, you know the, the the reverse card in Uno or whatever. The Reds can get these players if they want to spend the money. You know, if they want to have this legitimate record payroll they talked about, which they had to start this year, and after all the trades the last couple days and the money moving around, who knows if they still have that at this juncture. Um, But if they're willing to have even a league average payroll, which they didn't have this year despite it being a record, the holes that they don't have filled right now, if the young guys can't take them, they can fill them. They can go sign Yasiel Puig to come back and play right field for the next four years if they want to pay him. Uh, you know they can they can hit the free agent market and fill these kind of voids. They could sign Desmond Grandal to be the catcher for the next four or five years if they shell out sixty million dollars. Um, they just have to do it. And I, I, for us, it's hard to to kind of like sit back and break down the moves they didn't make. Um, with two different eyes, because the one eye is if they operate like teams that show they can spend money, then they still have the ability to answer a lot of these questions. But if they operate like the Reds that we've seen the Reds operate as for the last, well, hell, Castellini took over in 2006, uh, Cordero got signed in 2007, and that's it. Uh, then, then there's a lot that they didn't do that they probably should have otherwise. So maybe this is a change of course. Maybe this is them being willing to open up the pocketbooks and, and splash cash that way. Uh, but if it's the same old Reds, 
the moves they made this trade deadline didn't get them far enough as far as I'm concerned, especially considering they gave away their best prospect for a one-year guy. So, um, yeah, anybody have any thoughts on, on that? I was just going to say, yeah. I, think, I think Castellini is yeah. worth like $300 million. He should act like he's worth $300 million. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about time that he, he kind of should get off the pod as far as uh, owning owning the team, right? I mean, you know, it's – yeah, I mean, I, I think – and I, I'll throw this out to the group. I'm wondering too how the July 31st – only situation may have affected, you know, the quality of bats available because it, it does kind of seem like this was a, a deadline in general that people didn't really know what to expect. It didn't seem like there were a lot of teams that were selling, which, you know, made, which is why it made sense for the Reds to kind of do what they did. But uh, I'm wondering if, there had been another month if there may have been more bats available in that kind of August waiver period that we've had in years past. Well, um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Now? Okay, awesome. yeah. Well, well, to piggyback, to piggyback on that question, um, do you guys think that they should, since there's only going to be one trade deadline now, do you think they should move it back a week or two? I mean, if, if we're only going to get July 31st rather than July 31st and August 31st, so they, like, compromise and put it at, like, August 10th or something? Yeah, I think they talked about doing yeah, that. Yeah, it makes a lot I of like, sense. I like the, the hard date. I mean, you, it's two months. You make your deal, and you have those players for the next two months. I think pushing it back, you start getting too close to the playoffs. I think this year particularly kind of, like, helped – exacerbate the fact that there was only one true deadline because there have been plenty of years and years past where the National League has not been nearly as tightly packed as it is right now for all the playoff spots, both in the Central and in the wild card race, uh, where there's so many teams within five, six, seven games that really thought that you know a three-game win streak in the last days of the month could put them into buying status. Uh, that, that, that kind of thing doesn't happen every year, and this year it certainly did. Um, and I think that really put a very large stress on this new trade deadline thing because – Shit, the Reds. The Reds were buyers. The Reds bought Trevor Bauer, yeah. and they're we're, we're what seven and a half games back when they bought him. So I mean, if a team like that is still yeah. in the market to not sell when they also have so many of the rental bats and rental pitchers that otherwise would get moved at this time of year, uh, that kind of shows you just how log jammed and uh, uh, short term focused uh, that trade deadline was. Yeah, I think- for sure. I think we've. I mean, we've just seen this ever since they added the two wild cards. Anyway, I mean, there's just too many, right? Too many teams that think they're in it instead of being more realistic. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks they're going to go on some historic run and they're going to come up from seven games down, you know, at the end of July. And how often does that really happen? Yeah, it just right. it just doesn't. Well, and you know. I, I feel like most teams don't want to admit that they're not in it in July, right? You know, with the with the August thirty first deadline, you you could. Potentially, you could sell in July, and if you're, you know, still, if you think that you could still be in it, you know, in August, then you know, become buyers and kind of claw your way back. Which I, I feel like you now that you can't do that, it's it, a lot of teams. I feel like are, are in denial. Even the Reds are in denial about they're not going to win the division this year. But if you listen to anything that the team is saying. Uh, they think they still have a shot at it, which okay. But it, 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 it is at least worth noting that Reds' attendance is up almost what, like thirty thirty five hundred fans per game this year over last year. 
Um, I think you can thank Yasiel Puig for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, the guy sits out. Yeah, I think you could you could thank him sincerely for that, no doubt about it. I think you can also thank the fact that uh, the Reds and the rest of the National League Central, and obviously those are the bulk of the home games, is playing in division games against everybody else. Everybody in this division was going for it this year. There's nobody who was tanking, so it's not like you know. Uh, you, you look at the uh, the AL Central attendance marks, and um, even the teams that look like they should be better on paper. Uh, you know, when you have the Royals, the White Sox, and the Tigers all sucking hell, um, that that's going to do a lot to dent your own attendance because nobody wants to go see those guys play. But right. uh, but I, I I think it's worth noting that the Reds did do a pretty good job of at least freeing up spots for younger guys, getting rid of guys that weren't going to be a part of the team after this year, uh, finding a piece for the future, well, at least the short-term future, but also not completely denting the chances of games being enjoyable with a chance to win and keeping that miracle hope alive for the rest of the season. And, you know, given how just craptastic the last four seasons have been, I, I, that's at least kind of refreshing. And I do, you know, for as much as the freak out I had last night uh, about giving up Tremel and Moss and Puig just to get a year and a third of Trevor Bauer was, uh, and the more I look at it now, I at least see that they did try to do their best to make sure 2019 was still something that was kind of mattered and at least for a little while longer. Um, I, I still don't like it purely because of what we talked about earlier, which is that Taylor Trammell was still the best chip they had. And I think if they were going to trade him, they had to get more than one season of one guy. Um, and they didn't do that. So, um, but yeah, I, I do at least understand and, and empathize a little bit with the, uh, uh, Keeping the urgency going, I guess, is the best way to describe it because they didn't punt on 2019 and they made a move that says, hey, 2020 might be the big year uh, for everybody else who kind of reads between the lines because their big acquisition is a guy who's only here for one more year. So um, uh, that does at least signal on the surface that it's no longer a five, six, seven year plan. It's a two year plan. And if that's the case, cool. They just have a shitload more work to figure out between now and when the 2020 season starts. Yeah, isn't this a weird ending to the conclusion of the Shinsuchi trade? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Because I was just thinking about the whole thing that, you know, Drew Stubbs and Didi got traded for an RN from Shinsuchi, but wasn't it Trevor Bauer that went to the Indians? Technically, it's not over yet, though, because. Is that how uh, that worked? Because when Chu left, the Reds got the pick that it turned into Alex Blandino. Um, So. So that's still there for the time being. That's how that worked, right? Am I right. thinking that was that was Bauer? Yeah, no, you're right. No, you're right. Absolutely right. He went from Arizona to, to Cleveland in that deal. When Didi went to Arizona for a year before getting flipped to uh, to New York for uh, oh god, who the hell did he get traded for? Um, yeah, I'm trying to play. It all it all went about with the Derek G. Uh, Hey, Didi's a free agent this winter, also. Assuming the Yankees don't yeah, lock him up, I also. Uh, I was just. About I'm to sorry, I didn't need to get off from the question. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, I'm pretty. But who was it that went to the Indians? And I'm like, it was Trevor fucking Bauer. Yeah, it was Trevor Bauer. It was absolutely true because that was the that was the Kevin Towers trade. Uh, and then the Reds. Uh, he got fired right after that, and then the Reds hired him. Uh, Kevin Towers. Kevin Towers, rest in peace, Kevin Towers. Um, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. didn't he pass away? He did, now? he did. Yeah. That's, well, that's really well, So, And now that we have the uh, the Drew Stubbs connection, can we call Trevor Bauer Light Tower Bauer? <laughs> Light Tower Bauer. Yeah, he gets to bat now. He's back in the uh, back in the oh, National God. League, you know? Um, I, I think the only Very- thing – 
the, 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 if we today call him a white supremacist, I don't know if that's probably the right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's a little bit too close to uh, something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in regards to Balor, it's it's worth mentioning what the Reds gave up to get him. Uh, in the context that there was a very comparable pitcher, and I got in freaking Twitter arguments with like seventeen different people about this, which I don't want to. I, I never like saying like "fuck you, I'm right," but like look at the <laughs> look at the numbers. Marcus Stroman is a, everybody Mar- loves saying that. Marcus Stroman is a comparable pitcher to Trevor Bauer. They've both had five win seasons within the last two years. You look at their career numbers, and they're damn near identical. You look over the last three or four years, the numbers are damn near identical. And that ignores the fact that they're both 28, both set to be free agents after 2020, and that Marcus Stroman has been better this year than Trevor Bauer has been. Uh, Marcus Stroman went for no top 100 prospects. He went for Anthony Kay, former first-round pick of the Mets, who's not had great success at AAA. Uh, and that's and he's only making $7 bucks this year, which means in his final arbitration year next year, he's going to be roughly 7 to $8 million cheaper than Bauer will be over the $1.3 million or $1.3 years of team control that they got traded for. Um, and on Radiator Day, Dick Williams hinted at the fact that they were in on the Marcus Stroman deal or in on Marcus Stroman before he got dealt to the Mets instead um, for that package, which kind of, you know, face-to-face pales in comparison to what the Reds gave up to get Bauer. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, if the Blue Jays were eyeing a pitching heavy deal uh, as we've detailed with what the uh, the Reds have to offer from their current top prospects they don't really have any pitchers that match up uh, with what Anthony Kay is despite the fact that Kay is not a, a phenomenal prospect um, what are your thoughts on the fact that Stroman went for what he went for um, when Trevor Bauer went for what he cost uh, uh, one day or two, a day and a half later uh, Aaron how about you take this one first man um I I, it's difficult from our perspective to to hear that and look at that and you know obviously say we would rather have that deal because they give up so little. But I think we were talking about that in the in the Slack channel earlier, and I don't know if the Reds have a package of pitchers that Toronto was looking for that the Mets do that's comparable. Yeah, I mean I, I don't see they they got at least one guy, and I haven't looked in depth at it that is realistically somebody they can put in their major league rotation right now. Or at least is very, very close to that, like a triple A guy. And I don't see anybody really in our perspective that would be able to beat that deal unless we include a third team. In this case, with Trevor Bauer, essentially we have excess bats, shockingly, even though we may not feel like we do. <laughs> Taylor Trammell is that guy that's going to get you something that you're able to finagle a deal that's going to get you Trevor Bauer. But I don't know if we had the pieces to get Marcus Stroman, which in the end of it just really sucked. Yeah, exactly. BK, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I think that you know, I I totally agree with what Aaron said. Like, I don't know that it was a good matchup. You know, maybe you could have brought in a third team, uh, but you know, I, I guess it's possible that Toronto just wanted it to be a one-on-one deal and uh, didn't want to be that creative with it, but. You know, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I don't I, – I feel like they would have had to give up something pretty comparable to Trammell anyway just to get the pitching prospects to trade to Toronto for Sherman. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it's unfortunate. It does seem on paper. It feels like, you know, hey, the Reds could have done better with this um, and had – 
more value to offer, but, um, you know, it just didn't work out that way. Grimey, what do you think, man? Yeah, um, I want to kind of want to circle back on on what it was that the Indians got for only Trevor Bauer. Yeah, they got because we're talking about you know Marcus 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 Stroman got or the the Jays got two guys for Marcus Stroman who are you know fringy fringe prospect and not a prospect, right? Trevor Bauer brought back the Indians. Now, granted, you know we had the the third team was uh was roped in there, but. The Indians they got, got a haul. Yeah. Scott Moss, friend Mil Reyes, Logan Allen, and Victor Nova. And shed $25 million, which is probably the most important thing to them because they have for no them, money. Yeah, for sure. And they activated Danny Salazar to take Trevor Bauer's place on this very same fucking day. <laughs> I mean, it's it's incredible when you think about you know the, the two deals for, for, like you said, pitchers that are – fairly comparable i mean i think the only thing that stroman had going against them versus bauer is that he hadn't like trevor bauer just had that phenomenal 2018 season and and stroman hadn't really put up anything like that yeah but he might be in it right now uh, i mean there's there's a pretty decent he had a, that he ends he up had a five win season in with, 2017 though you know and fought blisters and shoulder problems last year got past those and then has been better than trevor bauer this year and they're the same age you know it, it's 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 yeah. and you know, you could say, obviously, that, you know, Trevor Bauer moving to the National League, in theory, you expect his numbers to maybe improve a little bit. Marcus Stroman pitching the AL East. Like, he's facing the Yankees mm-hmm. and the Red Sox uh, and, and was still putting up those numbers and is an elite ground ball pitcher, which is something that the Reds have highlighted significantly in the past. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, that was that was the next point I was getting ready to make. I mean, I think even if you, could, even if you decide that maybe Trevor Bauer has – a, a slight edge overall, you know, as pitching talent or whatever. Marcus Stroman's a better fit for the Reds, given where they yeah. play. Yeah. Um, I, I think the one thing in all of this that is obviously the crux, I mean, it's the key to, to everything the Reds did, and it's everything to how you form your opinion about this. Um, it's Taylor Trammell. I mean, he's 21 in double A, facing double A for the first time, is three full years younger than the average age there. Um, and yeah, he struggled this year. He was not having a very good year, uh, despite flashing some of the tools that that, that he's reported to have. Um, but he also had hamstring issues this year. He also tweaked his swing over the winter. He also entered 2019 as the number 11 prospect in all of baseball, according to Baseball Prospectus. Um, that the Reds chose to give up on him now when they chased JT Real Muto this winter and weren't willing to include Taylor Trammell then to get him. Uh, what are your thoughts on the three months that basically ended Taylor Trammell's stint with the Reds since that seems like, especially for a team that is always, 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 almost to a fault, too patient on calling guys up. What are your thoughts on the Reds souring that much on Trammell that quickly to make this move when they did uh, in the grand scheme of how the Reds normally handle their prospects? Uh, Grimey, how about you go first? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be pretty short on this because I think that, I mean, from from my perspective, uh, uh, Taylor Trammell, I mean, yeah, he's having a rough year. Okay, whatever. It's one year out of, I mean, uh, everybody, you know, all the people that see him say that he could be a star. I mean, of course he's going to have a rough stretch of it every now and then. The only thing I can think is that maybe the Reds know something that we don't know. I mean, maybe they're seeing something 
in his play or his, you know, his health or something that, that they wanted to get out in front of getting, you know, before his star fades anymore, you know what I mean? Uh, while he's still their best trade chip, maybe maybe there's something there. I mean, that's the only thing. I, I mean, because this is also a guy, you know, sunk cost or sunk cost, but this is a guy they signed for double slot money. They gave him $3.5 million to sign to keep him from going to Georgia Tech. Like, they invested a lot in this guy as a high school kid, and to give up on him because he had three bad months now when it was clear this winter that he was untouchable, um, that's a pretty – strong change of direction based on three months of Triple H Chattanooga when you look up and down that roster and in theory that should be the most talented roster in the red system. TJ Friedel struggled for half the year. Tyler Stevenson struggled all year. Um, Jose Siri has struggled all year as well. Like all their talented prospects are having the same issues there that Tramella is and they cut bait him on that quickly. It just it seems weird, man. So Aaron, what do you think? Um I'm going to be pretty frank with this one. I, it, you know, it's whatever. I like Trevor Bauer. The biggest thing I, I wrap my, my mind around when it comes to trading this kid is I don't see what there is for the Reds to give up on. Yeah. I don't see anything in his stat line for the Reds to give up on unless there's something they're seeing in scouting that just blows them away, that they don't think he's going to make it, or they talked to Derek Johnson and he said, even if you only have a year of Trevor Bauer, I will turn him into the best pitcher in baseball. Like, those have to be the things. Like, I will make him – he will win a Cy Young this year. Like, I guarantee it. Because when you look at his numbers, his batting average on balls in play is down 50 points from his career average. He's His ISO's down, but it's not down considerably from what it was last year. It's down maybe 20, 30 points. His walk rate is the best it's ever been, and his strikeout rate is at 22% in his first stint at AA, and everybody struggles in their first stint at AA. And he's a phenomenal defender, arm aside, and an elite level base runner. I, I read I read something today about that that the Reds had soured on his ability to play center field because of his arm. I don't care who you are; that is the biggest horseshit excuse in baseball. Yeah, I don't care how hard a center fielder can throw the ball. Hit the fucking cutoff, man. Catch the ball. Hit the cutoff, man. I do not care. And their home ball and their home ballpark has one of the smallest the center fields in. All of Major League Baseball, you know, eighty-one games a year, they're in Great American Ballpark. Or I mean, right? You're they're running out, you know, Nick Senzel and uh, Michael Lorenzen out there in center field. Jesse, now. Jesse like, Winker is playing. Good. Jesse yeah, Winker, right. Yeah. The, the only other thing I, I can really think of is they're just sitting there like Nick Senzel plays good center field, and he does, and they're just like, we're just not going to move him from that spot. It makes Taylor Trammell expendable. He's having a down down year. Maybe they're scared he's going to turn into Billy Hamilton and the bat's going to start getting knocked out of his hand. But I'm looking at the at the Fangraph scouting report right here, and they have game power 40 to 45, whatever, but they have raw power at 55. I mean, that's, that's scouting analysis that has him at average to above average power. He doesn't have a 30 power grade like Billy Hamilton. He had, he had two balls harder at age 20 in a big league ballpark in the Futures game last year than Billy Hamilton has ever hit in his life, you know? Right. Um, there's nothing about Taylor Trammell's power potential I'm concerned about. Do I expect him to ever be a home run hitter? No. Jesse Weaker was not a home run hitter. They they waited patiently with him for three I'm gonna, years. I'm going to say something really – well, I was going to say something if he went to the Cleveland because I was about to care, 
compare him to Kenny Lofton with more power. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but they waited patiently for Jason Winker for three years after a wrist injury and a car crash, knowing that he was showing all of the other tools they wanted out of him: uh, elite uh, uh, strike zone judgment, the ability to hit for contact. Um, they waited for all of that and brought him up at twenty-four, almost twenty-five years old. Uh, they cut Bader and Taylor Trammell after three months when he was untouchable to now. Um, the one thing that I think I might. Might, 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 might be able to wrap my head around this is, is that what you mentioned about Derek Johnson, only not for 2020. And I would be shocked if this happened, but it also kind of makes sense on paper. If you get Trevor Bauer for two months on a season that looks down from what he did last year, and you get Johnson who thinks he has a tweak, and maybe it's just one minor thing, one minor thing, and you get two months of him working together with Bauer – and Bauer goes nuts for the last two months of the season, and then maybe you try to flip him this winter and see what you can get for him. And that that I could see the end game for this trade being real. Of course, uh, and I say that because uh, Zach Mizell, senior writer for The Athletic, Clevelander, author of three books um, on Twitter, uh, tweeted about 25 minutes ago that Trevor Bauer said he pitched for two months with partially torn ligaments in his ankle and back spasms. He said he was truly healthy for, quote, seven or eight starts, end quote, this season. Um, and if that's the case and the Reds signed off on getting him, maybe just maybe he has the kind of finishing stretch this winter that makes him one of the more marketable assets on the market going into this winter. And maybe they still keep him because Derek Johnson can fix him and they know he's healthy. Uh, but maybe they also realize that they've got other good pitching options. He's eating up a full fifth of what their projected payroll probably is um, and might try to flip them for something else at which point in time, maybe they did sour a little bit on Taylor Trammell, but they're also taking the risk that they can fix Bauer enough to get the piece that they want and return uh, in a winter trade season. That seems to be a little bit more patient and deliberate than what they had to deal with at the last couple days. And if that's the case, who the hell knows? And I'll, I'll, I'll begin to reform and re-justify the way that things have gone down over the last couple of days because that's a lot of pertinent information that just hasn't quite been out there, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know um, when they say, you know, he's only been healthy for seven or eight starts. I don't know if that's, you know, is that his last seven or eight or is that leading off the year and he hasn't been – for a while, it it seems like if you look at just kind of how, how his game logs have have progressed um, throughout the year, you know he he had a really good good April um, and then kind of struggled in in May of this year. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know if the the Reds think that you know are are saying that he's healthy now. Uh, I don't know if this but is just news you, to the Reds right now. Torn ankle ligaments in the middle of the season. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, you're like pitching on this, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not, he's not missing any time. That's what I was <laughs> well, yeah. to say. Like, this yeah. is like Trevor Bauer. Like, I'm real tough. Like, I got it out. But, you know, I haven't been pitching very good. So, like, here's the reason why. But, like, I'm really tough. So, don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we won't we we won't go there <laughs> not yet 
Not yet. I'm sure we will go there next year. But, uh... Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. So what um, the Brewers basically just added, what, Jordan Lyles, right? Um, well, I don't even know that. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't really do much for me. But um, so that's what it is. Um, right. Um, and then the Cardinals uh, just sold off J- Jerko, right? Jerko? Uh, the Cubs, I guess, added the uh, Nick uh, Castellanos or whatever his name is, which is decent. Uh, I mean, that's a, I mean that's a decent move for them. It doesn't really move like for me. Like it doesn't really move the needle. Uh, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I assume. Yeah, I assume that uh, him and Kyle Schwarber would just uh, trade off like. Butchering left field uh, and then and hitting what they can hit their hand in this or whatever. So there's not a lot. I mean, they would, and the Pirates suck, so we won't even talk about them. But, um, <laughs> oh man, oh god, if David Bell could have just, oh, he, he could have clocked Clint Hurd last night. That would have been, <laughs> great, that would have been the greatest thing ever. Um, that whole fight. What a, what a missed opportunity. A masterpiece. Um, but uh, no, yeah. So the, I mean, the Reds were the, were the big movers and shakers, really, in the division, and it's not probably going to make any difference for this year. But like I said, I mean, going into twenty twenty, they've got easily, I think, in my in my opinion, at least, um, the best starting rotation in the NL Central. Um, they obviously have some large holes to plug, especially when you look at other teams in the division. But you know, you look at the Cardinals, and, and they're going to lose, uh, probably going to lose um, Marcelo Zuna um, in their lineup uh, next season. Um. Yeah. yeah. So there's and and the Cubs have been pretty pretty outspoken at least for this season that there's not any money left to spend, which I think is hilarious uh, from a team owned by the Ricketts. But um, so I don't see that they're gonna go out and like make huge moves or anything and. And they've kind of depleted their farm system through all of the trades that they've made to make the, the team that they are, which is kind of – I mean, they're a good team, but based on what we thought the Cubs were going to be for a while, I mean, they're pretty underwhelming. Um, and – Yeah, and just the, the play of uh, – just the play of the team in general, as far as like when they won it all in 2016 or whatever, it was like, Oh my God, this is going to be, this is going to be the juggernaut and not, if not the NL, but you know, major league baseball for them for the next few years to come. And, you know, they bow out in one playoff game last year, you know? So 
don't know. The whole thing's wide open, and the Reds were really the only ones that did anything at this particular deadline. I mean, we'll have to see what happens in the winter, but I mean, they've set themselves up. It's not like it's going. I don't see any of those teams getting a whole like you know a bunch better between now and next season. Um, to me, the NL Central is a dumpster fire of confusion. Like I don't <laughs> like I like before the year, everybody's like, "Oh, it's the best division in baseball," and you got all this, and like the Reds made huge improvements, but they're still looking at fifth place, like just outside of. It's all going to be stacked together, which is what happened, and every team kills each other. But I've watched way more baseball this year than I have in the last few years. And I don't find that any team is realistically that impressive. Like, or scary, or like, can't be like overdone. And the Reds just made a move that arguably gives them, I definitely gives them the best pitching rotation in, in the division. And now they can focus their money on relief pitching or trying to find offense or whatever if they would actually focus their money on something. To me, the, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the Cubs will probably win the division. I don't consider Milwaukee to be scary at all outside they got Christian Yelich who's awesome but I mean without him they would be dead and Pittsburgh sucks and Clint Irwin Yasiel Puig should have just broke his face before he left and just said I'm in the American League I'll do you all a favor Well, did he know? <laughs> I don't know if he knew, but we knew, and I, I know that some other players on the field knew. <laughs> Jake Williams, because he had Walt Jockety's phone, was running down the stairs to tell somebody. <laughs> 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 but I mean, the best thing about it, though, I mean, what is the last time you've seen first one? You got two teams fight the, you know, twice in a season. But in both cases, it's a player of the Reds that's running directly into a crowd of Pittsburgh Pirates by himself. He's just like, fuck it, yeah. I'm going to fight you all right now by myself. Yeah. And the, be- the best part is uh, the assistant pitching coach or whatever, Jeff Pickler, was out there. <laughs> Just grabs the ball from him and just kind of pats him on the butt, like, all right, here you go. The, the walkthrough they, <laughs> they did on YouTube about it. Yeah. Where, like, Garrett's like, Garrett's like, I'm going to fight them, so take the ball from me. Like, I'm going to go fight them. And when he explains it that way, that's exactly <laughs> what it looks like, what he's saying. And the pitching coach, or maybe he's the manager now. I don't know. Benavides is gone. Like, who was the manager? Yeah, Benavides got kicked out of that game, so too, Pinker, I think. Pinker's standing there, and he's like, all right, I guess, I guess go fight him. But he's pointing to the dugout, like, like we need more people. Like we need more people. I'm telling you, 
I love it. He needs to be suspended for 10 games. The baseball can't let that happen. I love it. <laughs> his office is probably like 20 yards like down that hallway, down in the clubhouse. I have no idea, but it's probably like 20 yards away, and he just sees Amir Garrett go running, and he just starts hauling ass out of his, just boom, straight out of the field. <laughs> well, I do, uh, I do want to point out the shitheadedness of Clint Hurdle, though, because this isn't even the first manager. Joe Madden went after him. Joe Madden drunk afterwards. Like he, he tried to like throw down a spin move on like Wilson Contreras or whoever was trying to hold him back that game. Right, and and, and David Bell's yoked, man. Like Clint Hurdle doesn't want any of that smoke. Ha, 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 ha.